Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How are you this I'm day? I'm doing fine. Ready good. and ready to go. Good, good. Lots going on. <laughs> Lots going on, but simple. We can take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I believe a little bit of that because I don't. I think we make our problems complicated. And uh, the more we get the government involved, the more problems we have. So it is simple. Just, just uh, you know, have a non-interventionist society. Yeah. Buy your own business. Take care of your own business. Take care of your family. And, and leave everybody else alone, yeah. especially other countries. Yeah. But that's not the way it is. And it looks like it's been that way for a long time. And we're going to have to contend with it. But uh, a little bit of good news over the week on, weekend, uh, Elon Musk uh, you know, is a for some people a controversial figure, and I have my my questions to, to ask him because uh, he has companies that do a lot of business with government. So yeah. far, people who do business with government soon has to listen to the government. Yeah, sure. But so far, uh, he's pretty independent. He's right now has done everybody a favor because he paid a couple of bucks for Twitter, <laughs> and uh, somebody said he was taken, you know, for it. But anyway, $44 billion, what the heck, uh, especially since he's, uh, he has uh, tried to expose, uh, you know, Twitter and the whole system uh, all the way back to Hillary and, and Biden and Biden's son on what really is going on. And it's getting to the bottom of this, issues and finding out the truth. So uh, we look at that as, you know, a positive thing and uh, putting the best light on it. That, uh, what, what does this really mean? But it means we know a lot more now than we knew two or three day, days ago. Yeah. You know, one, one of our friends who uh, we've known for a good many years uh, has written about this extensively is Jonathan uh, Turley. Yeah. And he's been writing about it again and uh, giving us analysis there. And he, it seems like he's pretty excited about yeah. what's coming, that we're getting to the truth, because he's worked a long time. He's an honest journalist, but uh, over the years, he has not gotten the credibility uh, that he deserves. Of course, we were always pleased that uh, at least he would come to our uh, our luncheons when we were in D.C. and present uh, his ideas. But anyway, he's excited. I'm excited about this because anything that uh, will lead to getting the, to the bottom of these issues and tell the truth, I think, is good. Uh, I, um, I, I think what they have to deal with are, you know, when it comes to lying, uh, we, it seems like a lot of people tell lies in Washington. I'm just looking for somebody that always tells the truth. Yeah. And... Uh, and it, it, to me, it's people, they're, they're really experts in lying. But I think what this artic, these articles do, uh, do for us is they expose the lying, at least raise a lot of questions, because this was all known a couple years ago. Uh, and of course, uh, the big story now is, is some of the details on how they uh, censored getting this information out. It turns out that a lot of people have admitted that uh, that probably Trump is uh, argument. It might not be uh, as uh, polite as some people like, but he was arguing that there were a lot of shenanigans going on. And I can't see how this information uh, really hurts the credibility of uh, of Trump. Although I don't think 
I don't think, uh, you know, the average public relations firm of the mainstream media will actually be able to turn this around and twist it and blame them for it. That, that's what happened. But anyway, the information is out. I think we're a lot better off now than we were a week, a couple week ago, and a lot better off than we were back uh, during the campaign. It's pretty, it really was a dramatic uh, <coughs> development on Friday night, you know, and I think what happened is, as you say, Musk paid $44 billion for Twitter, and then when he finally got it, he opened up the hood and looked under the hood, and he couldn't realize, he couldn't unbelieve what was going on inside there. And someone, I think, on Twitter, he's very responsive on Twitter, but someone uh, tweeted to him a week or so ago, you know, you should really reveal all of the inside uh, documents that you have about Twitter's censorship policies. And he responded something like, I intend to do so. And I think that put everyone on notice. Yeah, uh-oh, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> Something big is coming. And so that's what happened on Friday night. And he entrusted Matt Taibbi, who's an independent journalist. And you remember Matt. He came by the office on Capitol Hill during the uh, 2008 financial crisis uh, because he wanted to get your take on a lot of things. I think you talked with him for a while. He's one of the few reporters who really got to the bottom of it. And he's one of the reporters who were beyond left and right. You know, they're looking for the truth. And there are a few of them. So... Matt Taibbi released this info on Friday night. We can put up that first, um, that first clip. Uh, but as, uh, as we say, it was, uh, there was a lot going on about the censorship inside Twitter. But one of the things that caught our attention uh, is the role of the FBI, both current and former FBI employees, at the center of this scandal. And our friend Turley, as you point out, uh, does something yesterday, six degrees from James Baker, a familiar figure re-emerges with the release of the Twitter files. And I think this demonstrates some really deep corruption within Twitter, which really began after the 2006 elections, maybe around the time of the campaigns, when Twitter began to actively censor uh, political viewpoints. But this James Baker guy, he was in the FBI, he was at the center of a lot of the Russiagate nonsense. All of it was lies, we know that now. But he, was, he had a contact within the Biden administration and the Clinton campaign, the Hillary Clinton campaign, to keep pushing out and churning out this false propaganda about Russia's involvement, whereas all the time it was, it was Twitter uh, that was involved. He had to leave. He had to get out of the FBI uh, after he was, as, as Charlie writes out, reportedly found himself under criminal investigation for his role in pushing this in disinformation. So what happens? He gets hired by Twitter as soon as he leaves the FBI. And he's now the senior, you know, very important counsel to Twitter, basically helping them justify the censorship that they did. And it all came to a head, Dr. Paul, with the release of the Hunter Biden laptop. That was the crux of it. That was a big deal. You know, this little episode reminds me of the complaint we've made many times is that over, over the years you would read about the FDA, and we've certainly read a lot about the, uh, the uh, FDA being involved in vaccines and close relationships with drug companies and this sort of thing. And frequently it was a, sort of a rotation. You'd get your experience at the FDA, and then all of a sudden they're working for a big, a big pharmaceutical company. And 
this is this uh, makes me think about the FTA. Yeah. Who are they training? They're training people to go to work pl for places like Twitter. You, you know, because they know they know how to couch things and what terms to use, and they know that, they know it from the inside track, and they become valuable employees. I mean, they sought him out, and they uh, and they they were delighted to have him come join. So uh, that just shows the process that they're professionals at lying, and uh, and that that's why it's such a delight when we meet the journalists. You know that are uh, you know on not so much on our side of the issue, but on the side of truth, which pushes us together so often. You know, looking for the truth of these things and finding out why in the world they do this. But I think this information is really it. it uh, it's probably some days it's being exposed now and studied, and a, a lot of very important information and assumptions could be made of how things would have been different. You know, if the truth was told. You know, a few a few years back but still I think there'll be there'll be a time when uh, it's even more clarified it might uh, find out that this stuff is even worse than we see on the surface but right now you know uh, because you know I, I understand that they were able to cover up that uh, hunter uh, computer you know completely and totally no you know if you go out and do a polling <laughs> What, what, what do you care about his old computer for? You know, but but I think maybe there'll be some more, uh, more people now aware of this. But uh, it, it's, it's in spite of, of the media. But uh, we still have the people out there that uh, are on the side of truth and and we welcome them. And even to this day, the mainstream media lies about the laptop. The New York Times printed an article today. They referred to it as a stolen laptop. It was not stolen. Uh, whatever state Hunter Biden was in at the time, he left a computer at a computer shop and forgot it, maybe sobered up, who knows what. But the computer guy is the one who turned it into the FBI. It was not stolen. They still report that. So when this information started going out, and you can sort of imagine what happened behind the scenes, the people who were in the FBI that were extremely close uh, to the Biden campaign said we got a problem we've got to suppress this information this could really affect how people vote and so they got together and they did that and at the center of this is uh, Baker uh, he was involved in uh, by that time was working for Twitter uh, I'm sure he kept his contacts with his buddies at the FBI who were pro-Biden and anti-Trump but they had a problem and this isn't from Turley's piece mm -hmm. Global Communications' Brandon Borman of Twitter, he asked if the company could truthfully claim that this part of the policy for barring posts and suspending users was relevant uh, because they claimed that it was hacked, and obviously it wasn't hacked. But Baker jumped in and said, it's reasonable for us to assume that they have, may have been hacked and that caution is warranted. So they jumped in for damage control on this whole thing to, to head off uh, and, and obfuscate the, the Biden. Even the communications director for Trump was banned temporarily from Twitter for retweeting the story. They did everything they could to block the story. And they had people on the inside. And this is the other part of it. And we can put up this next clip because not only we had Baker on the outside, we had people on the inside like Elvis Chan, a FBI agent who met weekly with big tech ahead of the 2020 election. Now, this is for another case that he's testifying. We don't really have time to go into it, but it's fascinating. But, but here's what he said when he was deposed uh, in this case. It has to do with some uh, attorneys general, I think, in Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he said he, along with the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force, 
and senior cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency officials had weekly meetings with major social media companies to warn against Russian disinformation attempts ahead of the 2020 election, according to a source at the Missouri Attorney General's office. So basically, week after week, they're meeting with the heads of Twitter, Facebook, we know that because that came out and we talked about that a couple of months ago, every week saying Russian disinformation is coming, Russian disinformation is coming. And then they said there's a laptop that might be coming out, that's gonna be Russian disinformation. So the FBI was actively involved in spreading this lie to the benefit of one presidential campaign. And if this is not something that you'd see in a banana republic, I don't know what is. You know, there are even people today that want us to be, believe we have to be sympathetic because we believe in the First Amendment and these are private companies. And we've talked about that over the years, but uh, one of my conclusions is this is not a private company. This is a company that's already in bed with the government. And, a, and I think any company that depends on a lot of government money, you have to be suspect and wonder what kind of pressures put uh, put on them. So they're, they're saying, well, if, if they're very uh, are, are sympathetic. Uh, I, I came to the conclusion as being, you know, one in the same. But I thought um, I thought Jonathan Turley had an interesting analogy uh, because he knows that people still think about that. Yeah. And he said, "Why did you think about it like a telephone?" Uh, you know, yeah. you're taking on the telephone. The assumption is, well, there are phone companies and lines. There's probably licensing and all this. But still, most people think when they're talking on a telephone, it's supposed to be private. You know, but uh, so he he and that uh, used that as an analogy. Of course, that be uh, I think he wanted to, and I was visualizing, you know, the old-fashioned telephone. But what about the telephones today with all the, the cell phones yeah. and everything else and and all all the uh, technology available to measure everybody's telephone all the time. You know, this is this is un unreal. And I think the whole thing is that, uh, you know, privacy, privacy is a, a, a major issue. But I have always thought that uh, libertarians have always been interested in this type of talk technology. Uh, that technology eventually has to be used to counteract the people who are breaking the rules and uh, spying on everybody, but that's the government mostly <laughs> and, and others. But uh, it's, it's just that there is so much lack of respect, and uh, and yet uh, they, they're, they're valuable people if they know how to handle this. That's why you, you take you take a guy uh, you know out of the FBI and oh I'm available. Yeah. I think I'll tell you how to how to uh, you know uh, operate this thing and and how how you can uh, watch everything that they're doing and keep it legal because I'm from the FBI. I know all the rules and take. But uh, what we're still, still saying is, hopefully this weekend changed everything to, to a certain degree. Yeah, hopefully it did, and hopefully something will come of it. And here's another Turley piece. He's, he's been pretty busy because this is his bailiwick. He is a free speech absolutist, is what he calls himself. Let's put up this next one because this is his, uh, his uh, piece for The Hill that he wrote. And this is where he talks about the actual, uh, what happened on Friday, the Twitter papers. And uh, the key word... Uh, the key word of the whole thing is when the campaign sent him sent some tweets to their contacts in Twitter and, and, and Musk released the actual emails, the Biden campaign released, uh, they sent some tweets to Twitter saying, we need you to take care of these. Uh, and they said, handled. 
That means they were deleted. These were tweets that the campaign didn't want. Now, this also happened for Republicans, and there were also demands from Republicans, so we don't want to sound uh, biased here. But the fact is, as Taibbi uh, tweeted, uh, the support among Twitter employees for the Democratic Party versus the Republican Party, uh, as evidenced by campaign donations, I think is 98% in favor of the Democrats. So obviously there's a political bias there, and both sides did it. However, when you have handled, when you have people getting suppressed, James Woods, a very famous actor, he had a tweet pulled uh, that was critical of the Biden administration. So you're seeing, as Turley calls it, censorship by surrogate. Uh, and that's a very dangerous thing. But what you suggested earlier about private versus public, actually Musk tweeted something to that effect, which I think is very poignant. Let's put on this next tweet. He says, Twitter acting by itself to suppress free speech is not a First Amendment violation, but acting under orders from the government to suppress free speech with no judicial review is. So he's calling out his own, the company, we call it new Twitter now because he's made a lot of changes. He's calling out old Twitter for suppressing the First Amendment. And he even said they meddled in elections, they interfered in American elections. That's something we were told the Russians were doing, but it wasn't the Russians. You were about this week. Um, it was Twitter that was manipulating <laughs> the elections. Well, he's pointed out there's a sharp line between the private and government, and you should be able to de uh, define it quite clearly. But what, ha what has happened is now they've been exposed, and the line has been erased. They more or less have erased that line, and the, they never adhered to it. There was no line for them, but even though that was used. I, I remember you know, when this first really started, uh, there, there was a lot of confusion among libertarians. There's still probably some confusion about exactly where the line is drawn, but I think he did a good job in where he draws the line, you know. But uh, the one thing is, there's, there's so many opportunities for government to uh, uh, get involved, you know. If you don't follow, uh, say, environmental laws and you're a corporation, all of a sudden you could, you could be watched differently and regulated differently because of all the information that they can get hold of. And uh, that, of course, is a, is a real problem. It is, you know. And so well, what can we do about it? What, you know, the Republicans will barely have uh, uh, control of the House come next time. Uh, you've got the Senate will remain in Democrat hands. What can we do? Well, I was watching, and you probably saw this too, Dr. Paul, is that Republicans have stood up, Republican senators have stood up, and I think Senator Paul was one of them, and said, we will not move forward with the defense budget until you take out these ridiculous vaccine mandates for the soldiers. Um, it's not going to move. The military is not going to get funded if you do this. They could do something like that with the FBI. We are not going to fund the FBI. We're going to block FBI funding until we get a church commission style hearing where the doors are completely open, all the corruption is there, and you clean out these stables which are full of you know what. Um, they could do that. They have the power. Now, that'll be a major victory for the libertarian wing of the Republican Party because the Republican wing of the Republican Party, they didn't care. You never heard anything from them when we really needed a lot of help. But now, you know, uh, there's more information and you give them credit for that. There's more information than ever about the corruption going on uh, in, the, in the FDA and, and uh, all the problems and complications. I mean, it's becoming more readily available and all of a sudden, and, uh, you know, even though they still put Fauci on the television, I think his credibility is not growing any longer. I think it's it's been diminished. So I think that's why, because you have to get 
to, in order for them to do what you, that you said they're suggesting it's doing, be firm and stand firm and with, withhold something, that's where the test comes. Because what you are doing, if you're going to withhold it, they make you withhold this, you know, the stuff that 80% of it, uh, most of them would want to spend the money, you know, if, if it's in, in the military budget. They say, oh, you know, I, I can't do that. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, but they would never allow it to be a standalone bill. Yeah. And that, that's where the real problem is. Well, I, just, I do want to do a shout out to the sponsor of our program. That's fourpatriots.com. You know, Dr. Paul was reading a very sad article earlier on the weekend uh, that uh, pe- some people in the UK, in Cardiff, I think it was, were have forced to resort to eating dog food because uh, food wasn't available and they didn't have the money. Well, good news is you do not have to eat dog food. <laughs> you can go to fourpatriots.com and you can get delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Uh, you can take care of yourself with delicious survival food. Uh, and the good news is with the code RON, you will get 10% off your first order. There's a lot of food, easy to cook, but there's also g- power generators, solar generators, ways to keep yourself warm. Now, the Europeans are finding out what happens when you don't prepare for what's to come. We Americans, thankfully, have a choice. And one of those choices should definitely include fourpatriots.com the number four patriots.com ron will get you 10 percent off and a 97 dollar purchase will get you free shipping and their stuff is guaranteed so you can't go wrong dr paul i guess we're going to move on to the next one right now and this is something that w- is very worrisome and this is something you have brought up uh, quite a few times and uh and, and it is a serious problem but it, the principle uh has been around and we shouldn't be surprised because that's what the military industrial complex is all about. They're in business of making and selling weapons and blowing up stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and they would never believe that they're warmongers. Sometimes uh, I think they're warmongers. Yeah, a little war helps their business. Yeah. But even if they're not warmongers, what they're, they're weapons uh, people and anything that can store up a weapon sale. So you, you, you look for wars and problems, whether it's, uh, uh, you, you know, in Vietnam or Korea or the Middle East or Syria. It's endless. It's amazing that uh, we've been able to afford all that. But I also think that we're running out of the funds to keep that going. But now they're, say, now they're saying that... Uh, some of the weapons, and I think we even talked about the possibility of this, the, the weapons, especially on the weapons that went into Syria. Uh, but now, of course, uh, I think, you know, there was a d- debate in the Congress to try to monitor the weapons. Where were the weapons going, you yeah. know, and have, have audits? And they had a vote, and I think it was overwhelmingly defeated, you know, to have, have it. But I think that the attitude has changed, and people should wake up on this. Uh, but the, the president of Ni- Nigeria says West-supplied weapons in Ukraine are filtering into Africa. Yeah. I mean, we've always been in Africa. We had to filter them out of Africa. Yeah. Now we're filtering them back to Africa. Yeah, but uh, I, I imagine the people who are making the profits, uh, they'll risk the danger of being uh, supportive of, of warmongering. But uh, that might, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, that might not be their number one goal, is to use this warmongering attitude, uh, which is very dangerous because it so often does cause war, but it will spread. 
they were going to move these around and just keep agitating, uh, you know, so that uh, there'll be more weapons. And uh, every time they blow up weapons, huh, we'll make more. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a real danger that these weapons are proliferating. We can put on the first, that next clip, because this is from the webpage of the president, President Muhammadu Buhari uh, from Nigeria. And he is very concerned. He put out a press release at the end of last month. He calls for tighter security around the borders in the Lake Chad Basin with the proliferation of weapons from the Russia-Ukraine war. And as you point out in your introduction, Dr. Paul, we've seen this movie before. It doesn't <laughs> end well. All the weapons after we liberated Libya, a lot of them went down into Africa where their horrible wars are ongoing. Uh, and a lot of them went to Syria where the U.S. wanted to overthrow the Assad. They just sort of conveniently end up in places where the U.S. wants to do an overthrow or a coup. But in this case, they're winding up in Africa. It's a real concern. We can put up the next. This is a, uh, this is a tweet from uh, a newspaper down there. If we can put that one up. Um, Al-Mayadeen in English. After Nigeria's President Muhammadu Buhari's clear warning, we will we see more U.S. weapons making it into the hands of terrorist organizations. That is the real issue, Dr. Paul. Billions of dollars in weapons have been shipped there with absolutely zero oversight. And in, ha in fact, you have clowns like uh, Adam Smith from Washington, the congressman from Washington. He says even suggesting oversight is Russian propaganda. <laughs> well, what's going to happen when planes start getting shoot, sh uh, shot out of the skies uh, people start getting killed willy-nilly in Europe because these weapons will find themselves there. And maybe even in the U.S., we don't guard our borders. Who knows what's going to come in? Our own weapons are going to come back to haunt us. This is a real, real big issue. And nobody, with the exception of Senator Paul and a few others, seems at all concerned about it. You know, to get people in this country to support the war, they have to propagandize. They have to get it very emotional. They have to become patriotic. And it has to show that the innocent people are dying. And then the American people say, hey, we have to do something. We, they're, they're destroying these peaceful lives and all this. And uh, so the, the, our country then, it goes along, they go along with it inevitably because of the propaganda machine. And they send aid. And the aid is to send it to the good guys because we've already picked sides, you know. In Ukraine, we pick sides, you know, pretty quick. So we have to send it to the good guys. But in these very many other countries, we send it in and there's been a fight going on. And sometimes you can't even defend, define the good guys. You don't know which faction it is. But inevitably, there's records kept that uh, when, when the weapons go in, you think you're giving it to one side. Uh, it's, it's for the benefit of the argument, let's say they are slightly better than the other ones. But... But that doesn't happen. So often the weapons end up in the enemy, in the people's, the wrong side, the people that uh, would just uh, shoot at Americans as anybody else. So it's the whole principle that's wrong. It just doesn't work. And yet we do it endlessly. We're going to do it until this country is absolutely, totally bankrupt. And we're getting awfully close because because uh, it uh, it's, it's not viable. We, we can't do that. And yet they, the military industrial complex, uh, uh, you know, is, we argue, which is the strongest, most powerful, the pharmaceutical industry yeah. or the military industrial complex. But uh, all we know is there's excesses there and the bills are coming due 
And people have to remember, you're already suffering from it. People say, oh, the next generation is going to have to pay for it. No, this generation is. So every time a person buys something, I can't believe the prices oh, of this. Yeah, yeah. Then you say, well, you're paying for it. You're paying for it because you send people to Washington that's willing to vote for that stuff and, uh, and be praised for it because of the propaganda machine. Yeah. Well, our last little short story will kind of... Uh, uh, do a little bit on this and let's put let's skip that over and go to the Financial Times clip if you can because this is also a big deal that's flying under the radar on um, the EU is trying to figure out how to steal the Russian money that it seized and they want to use it to pay for the reconstruction of Ukraine now if you're opposed to the uh, to what's ha what's happening and you think it's it's uh, it's a terrible thing that's that's fine that's fine but this is a different issue this is we're talking about 300 billion dollars uh, that has been seized by the EU they want to be able to use it. They think they're going to rebuild Ukraine with it. But there are a lot of dangers here, Dr. Paul, that people may not understand. Um, first of all, there's this principle of, of, of state immunity, you know, that state funds shouldn't be seized like that. It sets a dangerous precedent because I know this may shock people, but the U.S. has also bombed a lot of countries and messed up a lot of infrastructure and hasn't paid a penny for it. You have that. But you also have, I think, the fact that Russia right now has escalation dominance. I mean, they can, they can escalate in a number of different ways against this, to which there really isn't a reply. I think it is a very dangerous thing. You know, it seems strange because most of the time this just happens. Nobody even talks about, you know, whether they should or should not. But they, for, uh, for instance, this one has met some opposition here. Even Yellen spoke out against yeah, yeah. She this. This must it. be really bad yeah. stuff, you know, to use this money. Uh, it must be breaking the rules. Maybe, maybe uh, that's a little bit of common sense on our part. Maybe uh, you know they'll lose the vote someplace in the United Nations, and some of our funds will be confiscated, or we'll be kicked out of the uh, world reserve currency uh, uh, operation. But uh, they're, they're, they're wanting to do this, and I keep thinking, well, um, they want to take this money that they've confiscated from the Russians, uh, like we still have money from the Iranians, yeah, you know, yeah. this sort of thing. And then we wonder why there's friction. Uh, but it's stolen money, well, for this type of operation. Well, sometimes they just go out flat out, steal it from the people and steal it from the middle class because all you have to do is print the money or run up the debt and pay for it, uh, you know, through higher, higher prices. Uh, or you, you could steal it from the American people directly. You can steal it from the Russians. They've confiscated the money from the Russians. And uh, ultimately, you know, it's uh, doing a policy that they shouldn't even be doing. You know, it's a... I keep using the example of, you know, what if we get to a weaker position uh, where we can't say too much and it happens to us, we're not going to like it. And that, of course, has happened on certain instances uh, where uh, we, we, uh, we have this uh, same type of policy thrown back at us, uh, you know. Doing, when we do it to others, we ought to look at it. What would we say if they did it to us? So far, nobody's paying any attention to that because we're the powerhouse. We have the weapons. We have the money. We have the reserve currency. Yeah. And we, uh, uh, we're, we're in charge. But that doesn't mean that uh, the power is going to remain uh, with our country. Yeah. And there could be very serious unintended consequences. If you think about what's happening in Ukraine, yeah, it may sound good. We're going to take, you're going to force you to fix the stuff you broke. Okay. But 
If Russia understands that if they win, they're still going to have to pay for reconstruction. They're going to have to pay anyways. Either you steal it from them if they lose, or they do it themselves on their own terms if they win. The incentive for Russia at this case would be for them to go big and heavy and win the whole thing uh, as quickly as possible and then start reconstructing. We already see in Mariupol uh, where they are starting to reconstruct. They're going to have to do it anyway, either by hook or by crook. May as well do it on their own terms. So the incentive is for Russia to massively escalate. Uh, and of course, that will be the draining of the blood of Ukrainians. But von der Leyen and the Europeans, they don't care. All they want to do is stick it to Russia no matter what, no matter how many get killed. You, you know, market forces may take care of this because there's no hesitation uh, to continue the inflation of the money supply. And, and uh, it'll be worldwide. The inflation is worldwide. It's just not in the United States. So. So what happens if there is a worldwide, worldwide correction and a, a real correction where you have runaway inflation? And some people are saying that's possible. I think it's a possibility, but uh, not that I think it's going to happen next week or so. But if you have the destruction of the monetary system, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you know, we're going to confiscate your funds. Yeah. So what? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. That's why. Uh, you know, some of some of these uh, uh, countries, uh, you, you know, are starting to, you know, save their gold. Yeah, <laughs> and buy gold. The Russians, the Indians, the Chinese are buying a bunch of gold. Well, I'm going to close out with a couple of quick clips, um, just for FYI. Uh, the Financial Times, the voice of the Western establishment, has named the person of the year. It is Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. He epitomizes what the Financial Times views as Western values. He's an extraordinary display of leadership and fortitude. <laughs> Juxtaposed with what happened over the weekend, put on the next clip, that same Vladimir Zelensky, he banned the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine. He literally banned the church, the Orthodox Church in Ukraine, which is followed by the vast majority of Ukrainians. So in a way, ironically, he does represent European values. He shut down all opposition media. He shut down all opposition political parties. And now he shut down the church. So yeah, that does actually sound ironically like where, where Europe is heading. So I'm going to close with that. And thank you for, all, for, for watching the show. Thanks to all the viewers. Dr. Paul, back to you. Uh, very good. Now I'm going to uh, close with a little uh, item uh, coming from Washington, I guess, where it originated. Bipartisan group of U.S. senators warns the Communist Party of, <laughs> of China over quelling of protests. They're, they're uh, warning us. When our, our senators are saying, don't you do this. If you mistreat those protesters, we're going to punish you. I thought, well, I wonder, let's see if there's any example that we could see where our country, uh, you know, disobeyed the principles of civil liberties in this country and punished people who spoke out on certain issues. Well, let's start with a couple in, individuals who were who became whistleblowers. You know, we know a few of those that uh, uh, that, that that they didn't do well. So th this whole thing that we are going over there, you, you know, you could still have that opinion. Let's say that we're in a better position and we do a much better job than they think they're doing. And you could say, you know, 
the, the Chinese, uh, you know, shouldn't do that. And there's principles that we believe in. There is a higher law you should follow. And uh, the country and the world would be better off if you didn't do that. And uh, hopefully we didn't have, wouldn't have to brag, but they could look at us and say, you know, things are going pretty well with the, the United States. They don't arrest people for demonstration. Mm -hmm. You know, that uh, January 6th is not a good example of law enforcement of people who are disrupting, uh, you know, in, in, in public. That, that is a demonstration of how we treat them, and there's still people suffering from that. And, you know, when I think about all these things coming out and all these, you know, the Republicans are already do all these investigations, but so far I haven't heard much emphasis because my curiosity is, is I think that the neat thing would be if they got hold of all the film that happened on January 6th because they were obsessed on this, that the, that the, the opposition was not allowed to have any material, you know, and, and if, you, if you think about uh, what a kangaroo court would be like, uh, that, that is a good example, but that, that is just horrible. Anyway, uh, we still celebrate a little bit because we got more information and uh, we, we think that uh, uh, Musk has done the right thing by releasing this information. I hope it can continue because that's what the people need because I still have confidence in people that if they have the information, uh, they will respond in a favorable manner. But uh, right now it's been a challenge, but uh, right, when, it, when it finally fails and they lose all credibility and establishment, I can't demagogue any longer. And in a way, that's, what, that's what's opening up here right now. They hopefully can't demagogue this, the, this whole issue, uh, you know, of the laptop, of the computer, and all the uh, Russiagate and these things. So uh, I think it's an eye-opener. I think that's great. But I do want to thank all our viewers for tuning in today, and uh, please come back soon to the Liberty Report.